Welcome to the Venture Capital Podcast. This is John Bradshaw with Codebase, Peter Harris with the University Growth Fund. I talk about the founder side, he talks about the VC side. We were we were harassed, not harassed, by a, a dear friend this past week and they're like, you're not a VC, you can be on it. Well, I did have a fund like 10 years ago. I worked with heavily with the investors for two or three, angel investors for two or three years. And we're the I hit the one that you and I hit published, so that's what qualifies me for being here. You know what qualifies you is that Venture capital does not work like in isolation, right? If you want to be a VC, you got to have an entrepreneur to back. So there we go. Here you are. And, and any podcast that claims to be venture capital that doesn't properly represent the entrepreneur side of it all, I think is like missing half of the equation. And I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've been lawn mowing was my first startup. So. Yeah, you've been doing it a long time. Plus, you, you've worked with a ton of entrepreneurs, both at Codebase, as well as like prior things you've done. So I think you qualify. All right. Well, let's let's kick it off. Um, before we begin, if you go to VentureCapital.fm, you can find us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, anywhere. All the links are there. Instagram, TikTok, you name it. So do you want to kick off this episode or should I kick it off to tee it up? Go for it. So as Peter and I have been doing podcasting for this podcast, often this is a question that's come up again and again. In fact, it's come up many times throughout my career as I've been in the, the VC investing space. And the question goes along the lines of how valuable are venture services, the pros and the cons, and let's just kind of like take a deep dive in it. Who should take, who should do venture services, who doesn't? So let's be clear, like what, what do you, what do we mean by venture services? So typically my understanding of venture services are instead of someone coming to you and saying, Hey, I'm going to give you a million dollars for mm -hmm. 30% of your company. They might say, I'm going to give you a million dollars in services into your company in exchange. And what if it's like a combination? Uh, yeah, I mean, that could be, but you would still have a venture services component. You'd have a cash component and a venture services component. Yeah. So like maybe like a Y Combinator or uh, Techstars or one of these various accelerators would count. Did you consider Y Combinator venture services? I don't know. I'm asking, do we, do we include that in the venture services bucket? I would not count Y Combinator. Why? Because the difference is, is they don't have actual individuals that they're assigning to your account. Ah, Okay. Why Combinator would come through and say, here's your $150,000 check for 7%. Hey, here's a convertible note for th for 350K. So you get a total of 500K. Yep. That convertible note or. But, but they do provide services, right? They have like the coaching, they have the demo but day, not, but, they have. But those. They have like guidance and mentoring. Right. So, I mean, I guess if you want to. So it call just kind of varies in terms of what the services are. But what you're saying is like. But I would not look at them as venture We're services. giving you like coding support or outsourced CFO support or marketing. sales and marketing support. Like, and in exchange for providing that, we're going to take equity in the company. And that like the services are the real thrust Correct. of the, uh, uh, like way in which they earn equity in the company versus being at 50% or more cash. Right. Right. And I also think that there's like a certain level of like some of the value. In fact, honestly, I think most of the value that a Y Combinator brings to the table is not the coaching, not the cash. It's the cachet, mm -hmm. right? It's the selection of being like, yeah, I'm a YC company. And like 
they only accept, you know, some de minimis amount of startups that actually apply. I, I can't remember what it is these days, but for a while it was like 0.2% 1%. or something crazy like that. And so it's like, oh yeah, so if you're one of the, you know, 1% or less, then you must be somebody some somewhat interesting, right? But there's, you know, we've talked about this before, like there's a bunch of accelerators out there that honestly I think people kind of waste their time on uh, because they might, they may end up taking equity. They're not a particularly like strong brand. And in some cases could be viewed as a negative brand. And then that ends up hurting you more when you go out fundraising. Let's talk about Y Combinator for a second and just the perspective. Sure. Like, I think when you, when you look at, I think the, the, the primary valuable value of any individual or venture services or investor that's on your cap table, besides the value they provide is it's typically a signal to the next round sure and to the next investor and it's kind of the the, the snowball effect right and why combinator as time has gone on you they used to only accept 10 companies hand selected yep and I, mean, I don't know who who the top companies were but my guess is like airbnb was one of them sure airbnb and they, and they dropbox a really big brand yeah, a bunch yep and then as time has gone on they've gone to more of the the spray and pray model where they're accepting a hundred plus companies and that the signal, which of course, now they're cutting that back. Yeah. They're now cutting it back. Cause I think my, my gut feel is they're losing the value and they're becoming like tech stars and everyone else. Right. Right. And they want to be a little more. And again, tech focused. stars may or may not be a good thing, but like well, about a year. I mean, I think tech stars is like fine. It's oh. just not as strong of a brand because it is somewhat diluted. Right. Because mm -hmm. they back so many companies, they have so many programs, but I think TechStars is a much better brand than, you know, a smaller regional accelerator. Mm -hmm. and I think right. forty-year-old John Bradshaw would pass on TechStars, but twenty-year-old Bradshaw would have done it. I think would get a lot more value out of it. Sure, sure. And look, I think venture services and accelerators in general can help people with less experience who are, you know, starting this out for the first time. Mm -hmm. um, but I also see like founders that like they've gone through like six accelerators, incubators, whatever they call them, right? And fortunately for them, a lot of them don't take equity, uh, but the, a bunch of them do. And so it's like, geez, like you've just given up a massive chunk of equity and then when they go to raise, it's, I don't know, it, like it just signals poorly uh, to investors because, well, it signals poorly, but also like kind of screws up your cap table because it's like, oh man, well, if you've already given out like 10, 15, 25% of your company and you haven't even raised a dollar yet because maybe you gave that to a, to a venture services firm that didn't invest dollars, right? Um, they just gave services. Um if you haven't like been able to achieve meaningful traction off of those services, you're you're at a bad spot because the investors are going to be like, okay, well, you've given up 25%. I'm going to want 20% when I invest. The next investor is going to want 20%. The investor after that's going to want 10 to 15 and then 10 and then 10 and then 10. And like by the time you get to like a series B, the 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 founder is so diluted that the series C investor is going to be like really scratching their head wondering like how in like incentivized is the founder to really go out and knock this out of the park. 
And the problem is, is that the Series C investor doesn't even like get that far. It doesn't even get that far to the Series C investor because the Series A investor and even sometimes the seed investor, if it's an institutional seed investor, is already thinking about that outcome further down the road because they have to, right? Because they're swinging for like the company that eventually goes public. And if they're like, I don't know if this company can raise a Series B or a Series C because the founders are already massively diluted, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. So let's get go more into venture services, not the accelerator model. Yeah. Because Y Combinator and Techstars is more of an accelerator, right? Because they're given cash in addition to some services. Mm-hmm. But I think most would say like it's the cash and the cachet that matter most, not so much Versus the services. a butt in the seat getting stuff done. Yeah. Well, look, no, because they're just like, I mean, how much, how much coaching are you really going to get and how valuable is that at the end of the day that you couldn't have gotten if you just reached out to some people i think i think the challenge is is people want access to networks and if you're younger you don't have access and there's that you know that mystique i mean like let's just talk about like over the week i was texting josh james and i think a lot of people who are younger like i mean the 20 year old me Mm -hmm. if josh james walked in a room i would have like so i guess here's the advice though for our listeners who are founders and that is Like, I get that these things can be mysterious, right? Or like, you know, shiny and, or, you know, you, you see like Josh James walk in and you're like, Ooh, stars in the eyes. But I don't think you need to go through an accelerator to get access to those people. Um, I think there are cheaper, better ways to do it. Um, and as a founder, like you should have like some confidence that you can pull it off without having to go that route. This is like people that come to me and they're like, Hey, I need to raise this money so that I can go and do X, Y, Z. And I look at X, Y, Z and I say, you don't need money to do X, Y, Z. You just need to go do it. Right. Mm -hmm. And it will be hard. A hundred percent. I know it's hard, right. To do those things, whether it's like, I need to go get a customer. I need to um, get the CTO on board. I need to build a product freak, you know, like even building a product, like you, it just doesn't cost that much money to build an MVP these days. And so, yeah, is it hard? Yeah, it's hard and it sucks, but you know what, who, you know, who gets funded, the people that do hard things. So anyways, I'll get off that soapbox. All right. So let's talk about if you're a founder, go build your own networks. You don't need, you don't need somebody else to open up that door for you. Yep. I mean, for me, let's, let's, Generally, when it comes to venture services, just from a high level, if it's TLDR, I would pass. Why? I think it's typically a, a, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why is when you're building a team, you want someone who believes in you. Mm. And if the venture services company believes in you, that's awesome. They, they selected you. Sure. But they're now putting people in your team to perform the, you know, the, the services. Work, yep. And they may or may not believe in you, or they may be assigned to you and wish they were involved on another company. Yeah. Well, and I think that's a good thing that if you're evaluating working with a venture services firm, look at the people that are going to be working with you. Are they like, you know, people that demand very high wages and could work anywhere in the world or for any company they want to? Like, are they high quality individuals or are these people that are like super cheap, right? Mm -hmm. Interns, brand new out of college, no experience, right? Maybe they hustle, maybe they don't. I think that's one thing that I would pay a lot of attention to uh, because 
you know, look, if you're going to give up equity, that's like the most expensive thing, you know, form of capital. Right. And so, you, you know, if you're going to give it up, you want people that are absolute rock stars. Mm-hmm. And then I think the other thing is looking at how are they, how are they incentivized? How are they compensated? How, what kind of alignment do they have? Because, you know, I know some venture services companies where, uh, they do put in money alongside their services, but when they put somebody to go work on your team, like they're on your team, like they are an employee of your company. They get compensated from your company. They get equity in your company. Like they are tied in. And if you're looking at this company and it's like, Hey, they got a bunch of interns. None of them are getting like true equity in this company. None of them are like putting in the blood, sweat and tears and being compensated accordingly. Like all you've got are like some pretty pathetic mercenaries, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You don't have like, you know, true in you know. And it's an expensive management fee. I mean, oh if, yeah. If a venture, I mean, the way I look at it is, I can go recruit a venture services firm. Yep. And they may say, "Hey, we're as part of our services, we're providing development help for you." Yep. Or I could just go recruit a CTO, go direct. Yep. And then you've got a you've got a lot more control versus whatever the venture services company or firm decides to bless or not bless you with. Yep. Well, I think too, you know, as a VC and, um, like I want to invest in people that are part of the team, not just, you know, outsourced temporary help. Yeah. I think one of the, when I was working with the Utah angels, one of the, the, the times I saw this play is the lead investor said, I'm going to put a hundred thousand dollars into your deal. Yep. Based on that person's recommendation, again, this was like 10 plus years ago. Yep. They went around and everyone was ready to do the deal. And then the last minute, the lead investor said, hey, I'm no longer going to give you cash. I'm going to give you venture services instead. Yep. And if the deal luckily still went through, in most cases, in today's day, it would blow up the deal. Yeah, why? It would blow up the deal because there's this belief of trust of putting cash where your mouth is. Yeah that's the that's the belief and if you're doing services then like what's the markup on the services where's the transparency what are you getting and it just creates a weird a weird power law for dynamics yeah no it definitely creates kind of this weird dynamic um and like like on the one hand like it seems like it should make logical sense like hey i'm providing these services that cost money and in exchange like of not charging you for these services, I'm going to take equity. Um, but I don't know. I, I guess too, like it depends on the amount you're giving up. Like if you're giving up, um, you know, probably something like sub 5%, then like, okay, I can see that. Um, but if you're giving up 10, 15, 20%, like that is just, that's just way too much. For example, so I sit on the so I sit on a board of a company. Um, I'm an independent board member of that company. We're not investors. It's you know they asked me to be on the board and I agreed and they gave me a very very small amount of equity in exchange for being on the board um, as compensation, right? So in a way, like I'm providing services as opposed to investment dollars in the company and receiving equity in exchange. But like it's a very small amount. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. It's like advisor shares. It's like advisor shares. Advisor shares are usually considered differently. But again, I don't look at advisor shares as venture services. That's true. Although I, I got to be honest, I don't love most. Ad- I think 
That's a podcast for another day. That's another podcast shares. for another day, but I'm not a huge fan of advisor shares either. Okay. I think they have a place. I just think sometimes entrepreneurs give away equity like candy mm-hmm. and it should be the thing that they guard like the most carefully and keep the most sacred. Mm-hmm. All right. So back to venture services. Yeah. So let's go. So the, the one example we gave is if, if, if an investor were ever swap out yeah. uh, cash for venture services, I'd be, I'd run. Yep. And, yep. and I know in, in, in this scenario there, it'd be tough because it's your lead investor. What do you do? You either shut down. Yeah, but are they your lead investor anymore? No, this wasn't mine. This was no, but I'm. But my point is, like, I'm. I'm, I'm just, saying, like, I'm just amazed that deal still went through. I'm really surprised. By yeah, that. yeah. But what I'm saying is, if if at the eleventh hour, the the in quote end quote investors like I'm swapping services for cash, right? Are they even really a lead investor anymore? I would. I would Maybe. argue that they're not. So here's one of my favorite quotes about venture services that Zach Oates taught me 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah, what's that? He said, you get what you pay for or you pay for what you get. Yeah, that's fair. And my belief in that venture services, because they have to do make a markup, they try to find the cheapest people, usually they can put in seats as a yep. general rule. Yep. Um, you're, you are giving up a lot of equity for intern quality, which if you have any success later, you're gonna to have to rip it out and redo it, which is gonna be a lot more expensive than just having the right team members to begin with. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And I also think that there's this element of, if you're not going to a, like a YC, you're not gonna even like even a Techstars, right? Um, you gotta be thinking really hard about like, what does the brand say about your company? I think about this in terms of like a lot of people over the years have asked me like, oh, Peter, do you have an MBA? And I'm like, no. And they're like, why don't you have an MBA? And I'm like, well, because frankly, at this point, like I don't really need one. But the other thing is, it's like at this point in my life, I'm going to, you know, an MBA at a top tier program is like a couple hundred grand minimum. Right. Mm -hmm. And like two years of my life. And I look at that cost and I'm like, man, the payback is like so long. Um, and I, and I've thought like, well, maybe I get like an MBA from like another school that's not as expensive, something I could do nights and weekends. But here's the like sad truth about that is even though like it might end up being an interesting experience, it would actually be viewed as a negative for me. Uh, it'd be a negative for you. Oh yeah. Like if I went and got a, an MBA, like, like an nothing MBA? against, nothing against like the university of Utah, right? Okay. If if you got a, you got an MBA there, like kudos to you. Like I don't have anything against that. But for me in my profession, if I got an MBA from the University of Utah, like it would be looked down on, and it would be better for me to not have an MBA. Okay. Does that make sense? We're getting a long ways away from the venture services model. Well, let's bring it back. Okay. So what I'm talking about here, though, is that if you end up going to a venture services group right that does not have a strong brand when you go out and you raise your next round it's going to look be looked down on mm-hmm. right they're going to look at that and be sit and think to themselves if this entrepreneur is really legit they would not have gone to this venture services firm and therefore this entrepreneur must not be legit and i only back legit entrepreneurs therefore i'm not going to invest in this company and whether that's like fair or not i can't you know, I'm not going to opine on that. I mean, well, it's not fair, but it's just the way it is because as a VC, you see so many deals, you're looking for almost reasons to say no a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And so when you have like these red flags pop up, you're just kind of like, look, it's got some hair on it. 
I'm just going to pass them and I'm not, I'm going to look for deals that don't have hair in them. It's not my job to go out and fix, fix these deals, right? There's, there's plenty of fish in the sea. I'll just go find another one. So that's my point is that like these brands, they kind of stick with you. And even if you don't like tout them, maybe you like try to hide it. Every VC is going to want to see your cap table before they invest and it's going to show up on the cap table and they're going to make judgments around like, you know, the caliber of people that you've surrounded yourself or institutions and what that has to say about you as an entrepreneur. And that cuts both ways, right? Like if you get a really great angel or a really great fund on your cap table, then that is going to be incredibly helpful. It's like a giant green flag for other investors to come in and support you later on down the road. Definitely agree. So one of the the venture services groups, can we mention them by name science out of LA? Uh-huh. I think that's a venture services firm that you approve of or no? I don't know that I would necessarily say I approve of it. I think for the right entrepreneur, it can make sense. So science, science puts in cash uh, and then they also do a ton of services. Like they take people, they put them in your company, they help run the company, they, they, dramatically increase traction and sales through their network. Um, but they take like 50% of the company. Mm-hmm. They take a huge percentage of the company. And their argument is we take a huge percentage because we add a ton of value. We are like a co-founder in the company. Mm-hmm. Um, and in many cases, it's the partners. It's almost like a venture studio model where they're identifying a business opportunity and then they're finding an operator that that has really good fit and they're putting the two together, they're building a base and then they're getting the company to a point where other investors can come in and continue to fund it. But, you know, look for some people like you should not do science because if you are not comfortable with them taking half your company, right, then it's probably not a good fit. But if you are, then look, they've done some really great deals over the years and have done really well. So I know there was one venture services program where the, the owner of the firm would yeah. become the CEO of your company Yep, and that you would quote unquote, like earn the right back to be the CEO again. And all the equity would be taken from you and you would have to earn all the equity back. Yeah. What do you think of that? It feels kind of gross. It, I just, I didn't do the deal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was, I didn't, but like, I just knew I just would never approach that firm. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I I mean, I can see the logic behind why a firm would want to do that. What if you have no options and you're like, look, I don't have the time. I don't have the network, the connections. Isn't even giving 40% to venture services. Let's speak on the other side. Sure. Better sure. than nothing. Like, sure, you may not be able to fundraise, but you can get your first company under your belt and then go from there. Yeah, but like, what are you getting out of that? 60%. Of 60% of 60% of what though? Like that's the problem. Like if no one's going to fund you, can you get the company to a point where like it gets acquired or something? Maybe, I don't know. I don't know. I just think like 40% feels like a lot. You got to be like really confident that you're going to get that kind of value back out of them. Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing is like most of these firms are like, nope, here's the equity. Like we demand the equity up front, right? And then we'll provide the services on the back end. Like that should be another red flag, right? Like 
And when, I, that, when you hire somebody, you don't give them all their options up front day one. Okay. Right? You string you string that out over four years or whatever, right? You have a vesting schedule. They earn it, right? You should be doing something similar if you're going to go that route. You should treat them just like an employee. Be like, great. We'll give you some options. You provide value. We'll, we'll compensate that you value. And exercise the options. And exercise the options, right? Just like an employee. Okay. Wait, so what's the TLDR? Generally, you would avoid venture services programs. If you were to accept one, you would want to have one that gives you not only services, but some like cash. If you do take services, the services should have opt or vest just like an advisory, advisory shares or founder shares or now granted, like there aren't sure different types of shares, but just labels. You should have good alignment with the people actually providing the services. And right? make sure you're not getting interns. Yeah, and make sure they're super high quality, right? Mm-hmm. Your equity is gold. Mm-hmm. When got- you when you raise when you raise equity funding, it is the most expensive funding you can raise. Right. When I had a I have a friend in the fintech space, and yeah. they were asking about a couple of venture services programs. I'm like, don't do it. But he's like, John, it's a million dollars of services. Yeah. I said, here's the problem. Tell me who they're putting in your seats that actually has fintech experience. Yeah. And if they have fintech experience, I'm going to be much more interested. But if not, you're going to have to spend three to six months training them about the space to know how fintech is different technically from non-fintech deals. And my guess is anyone that they'd recruit, you could have recruited someone 10 times better. Yeah, yeah. I think the other like key punchline that I want people to take away, especially young entrepreneurs that maybe feel a little bit vulnerable here. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is like, like I know like starting a company is scary and these things seem like cheat codes, ways to like get ahead faster. And I think the reality is that they're, they're confidence not. boosters. I think that they're not. I had a, one, an and, argument with one of your students this week about it. He gave a founder 50% of a company yeah. that isn't putting in cash, yeah. isn't adding any value yet. Yeah. But I my argument was this individual makes you feel good and protected and safe. When in reality, they're getting 50% of the company for doing nothing. Yep. Yep. Other than saying, hey, here's an idea. Go work on it. Right. And And that has somehow given you all the confidence to work together maybe a little harder. Yeah. And I would argue you don't need that. You can do it. I believe in you. Just go make it happen. Do the hard things. Don't look for crutches. Mm, That's hard. It's hard. Mm -hmm. It's hard. But you can do it. Great entrepreneur. Here's the thing. If you're doing, if you're on the entrepreneurial path, then you have to believe that what you are doing is going to make a dent in the universe and that you are going to make a dent in the universe. And you should carry that confidence forward in everything you do. Ah, we should make a, a meme of that. <laughs> just, just, just making my dent in the universe here. I mean, I think that's the big part maybe with venture services as, as early stage founders, you don't have confidence. And I don't think the venture services program where they build it for you yeah. is the way to do it. I think, hey. I don't think it ultimately builds confidence. I think confidence comes through doing. Yeah. So like the way I did is I found the smartest people in the spaces I was interested in. Yep. Hey, FamilyLink, 
Paul Allen. He built mm-hmm. Ancestry.com. I'm going to work with him for six or 12 months. He, I got to work on the product team. I got to see how they did outsourcing, all those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And I got to learn from experts myself. So then when I went to do it for, for myself, I had a much better idea of what I was doing. Yep. Still figuring it out day by day, though. Sure, sure. Everybody is, right? But, you know, mm-hmm. just go do it. Don't look for crutches. Don't look for things that, you know, you think will make it a little easier because it's like you said earlier, you get what you pay for. Or you pay for what you get. Or you pay for what you get. That's All right. right. Well, that wraps up this episode on Venture Services. What do you think about Venture Services? Are we totally off base here? Oh, wait, you're talking to me or to the crowd? To the crowd. Yeah, let us know in the comments. Let us know your thoughts. If there are Venture Services programs that you've been through, um, let us know. Comment below. You know, share your Were they good the experiences, bad experiences? What would you do differently? What are the, your red flags if you were to evaluate one? Okay. Knowing what you know now. Thanks, everybody. All right, thanks. Talk to you later. Subscribe, go to venturecapital.fm. All of the links are there.